This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Over the next hour, we're going to have a chat with a superstar of the AFL, a two-time premiership player, three-time All-Australian. He coached in the AFL. He's an AFL Hall of Fame inductee in 2009. He's a long-time friend, a funny man, and I think you'll enjoy our chat, thanks to Baron O'Day, because the little things are everything. And I talk of Guy Bluey McKenna, and he joins us in the Inspiring Sports Story studio. And when you hear that opener, you went... Inspiring. What? I was going to say, am I in the wrong room? <laughs> you said inspiring, Snagglepuss. Come on. <laughs> well, you're inspired in many forms, uh, of course. And um, on reflection of your career, when you go through that premiership of 87, you go through your Eagles rookie year, your VFL team of the year, your club championships, your premierships, your All-Australians, pretty damn good resume. You must be proud with everything you got out of yourself. Yeah, you sort of, I mean, even even now, you like you just read that stuff out and you go, well, you don't really sit down and actually... Like read through it and go, hmm, hang on, how was how good was that? You know, or where does it sit in the relation to? Because you, you know, you, I just saw. Uh, <laughs> I've been speaking about inspiring. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have a crack at Optus Stadium very shortly. That's for sure. Um, no, well, David Swallow, you know, our number one draft pick. I end up coaching Gold Coast. Yeah. I just saw a photo of him on the wall around the corner here, and I said, "Where's my photo?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't have one, but uh, good on Junior for that. He's fantastic, West Australian boy. Um, but yeah, so even even that sort of stuff, you don't you don't sort of sit and reflect on it, and and because the modern day player, there's just so much um, you know scrutiny and um, um, media fanfare around uh, all the players and what they and their achievements and the, you know the old you know, the legend after two years and all that sort of stuff, which <laughs> mind you, some of them can be called legends and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, you, you sort of sit there, you sort of maybe a quiet night, you'll sit back, guys, or I'll sit back and go because I'll talk about a, a, a best and fairest or something in his first or second year. And I go, yeah, well, I did that. I actually was runner-up in my very first year. Um, uh, got um, Joffa says he pushed Earl Sporting on me and hurt my back in that uh, preliminary <laughs> final against um, um, Melbourne, of course. And I didn't finish that game. And so I ran up second to Wusher, mind you. So, you know, um, good, at, you know, good at that stage. Um, well, a fairly good player, Wusher, and obviously the, the captain in the end. So I finished second to him and then won it the next year. Um, and then I didn't win it for another 10 years. Um, and I blame the coaches for that. They couldn't, like, they didn't know what a good player was if they fell over one. So, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you sort of, yeah, you don't have a lot of time to reflect, but um, yeah, certainly proud. And you're in this studio and you reside in Victoria and have for, for some time now, but you're back in WA because we're recording this on the Friday and this, this probably when this is actually being aired, you'll be rubbing shoulders with all the premiership players of the West Coast Eagles because it is now a tradition where the premiership clubs and in the last couple of years it's only included the newbies yep. uh, where you, you get together for a day at the races and, and, and talk about those premiership years, which is wonderful um, for, for, for the, um, the pastoral care and the care factor and the, and the mateship of the West Coast Eagles. Yeah, we're just talking about all that sort of stuff that what uh, clubs do for their past players and, and, and things, things alike. And it's not like the past players put their hand out and want uh, charity or freebies or things like that, but just to connect to the club. And, and again, yeah, we, so we'd been, I reckon it must have been at least 10 years on the back of Monkey Brennan, 
Um, and it, it sort of, I think it spun out of the, obviously the passing of Maney and just to keep everyone together. And, uh, yeah, we'd been, and we were actually been to Subiaco Oval still when it was still running around and, um, had a toast with him and got uh, Rani, his wife and the kids down there, um, and had a toast to Maney. And then, so we moved on to the races and then, um, that's been a sort of a tradition for, yeah, I'd say at least 10 or 15 odd years. And then it was only just last year we invited the other two crew, which was fantastic. We had a sprinkling of players. I'm hope, hoping there's going to be more of them, but just to keep, I mean, a premiership player, so it's still not quite the past players because whether you've played one game or a, a thousand games, you're still part of the history of the football club. For, even for that game or that contest or that minute you played, it could have meant something, you know, and I'm sure it meant a lot to the, the individual player, but for, collectively for the team at the time, it would have learned a lot, so or meant a lot. So, um, yeah, so we catch up there. So, yeah, I, I thought I'd do the right thing, come over a day early. I flew in actually last night. I'll catch up with some um, friends. I was actually supposed to do something around for the 94 because the reunion's obviously next year mm. as well. Mm. Anniversary, I should say. So um, <clears throat> I haven't done that. Um, Stocksy's got a bit crook, so he hasn't been able to peg Wusher down. Um, so, yeah, a, a, a day with the family and see some friends and um, the races tomorrow, which will be really good. We're going to talk about the 92, 94 and the journey. I want to take it all the way back to the, the schoolboy and playing premiership football in 87. I'm always intrigued by this in regards to how old you were when you played in that premiership in 87. How old? Uh, I started 16. So, yeah, so I I, <clears throat> I remember Graham Moss had to ring my folks because um, I'd played in the Teal Cup in 85, and that year I played senior football. Um, so I'm, I'm in year 10. Uh, at Korean Senior High or That's the right. Korean Academy of Performing Arts, as I used to call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway... Um, and Ian Jasper, my, um, and then Greg Shippard ended up being my phys ed teacher as well, old Shippy. And we've reconnected, obviously, with Cricket Victoria back in, uh, in Victoria. Anyway, um, yeah, so that was 85. So I played, uh, I think it was seven or eight Colts games, went and played in the Teal Cup, sort of, I think, between myself and Paul Pios and maybe Ian Torpy is his name. Um, anyway, there were sort of three captains through that, but I was sort of pushed up as, as one of those, um, unbeknownst to me. Um, and then... Um, Two games with uh, Ian Miller at Claremont. He was a reserves coach at uh, at Perth, and one of them we played out at at, at um, Lathlane, at the old Lathlane <laughs> those days. Now uh, home of the West Coast <clears throat> Eagles. Yeah, yeah, amazing setup. And he played me in the middle, and it sort of went okay. <laughs> so I got a few touches, and so I think um, Dougie, not Doug Smith, who was it? Um, oh, I should should know his name. Number twenty eight for the Tigers because it's a Mad Tigers man. Uh, Bull Smith. Ray Smith. Yeah, yeah, Bull Smith. Ray Smith. Uh, he might be Ray Smith. Yeah, well, I just knew him as Bull Smith. Yeah, <laughs> he was half back. He got injured, and uh, uh, Graham then. And I that was in, that was in the June, I reckon. And I May, I just turned sixteen. Wow! So I played on Choppy Fong. Sixteen. <clears throat> yeah, Choppy Fong. Les Fong. Yeah, yeah, Les Fong. Great man. Yeah, and Corey Buick. Yeah, yeah, yeah Corey Buick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And wow. so, yeah, yeah. So that was at Claremont. And uh, the the funny thing was, he so he spoke to Mum. And Dad about, it's okay, 16, you know, under 18, it's okay if you pick him in the league side, he's going to play. And, and I'll stand there, Mum, yeah, pick him, pick him, yeah, yeah, say, yes, yeah, yeah. They are on the phone in those days and actually still connected to the wall, if you don't mind too. <laughs> Not wandering around on a mobile, walking around the swimming pool in the backyard or anything like that. Anyway, um, the following week, I tell the story, the, the next game was against Swan Districts. And for the Western Australians around my vintage would know uh, Ron Boucher. So I stood there going, Mum, say no, say no, <laughs> say no. <laughs> but I played on Donnie Holmes in that day, but uh, yeah. I think that was, um, yeah. Great times. Great times. Premiership player in 87 as a teenager. Guy McKenna is our guest. Inspiring sports stories. Thanks to the wonderful team at Bowen today because the little things are everything. Going to play you the theme to a great TV movie, of course, uh, uh, way back when.
Hey, took a while. <laughs> took a while to get to the, the, yeah. the main theme of it. But seven players played in Teal Cup, known as a magnificent seven. It really was something we'd never seen before. Uh, Grant Dorrington, I think, was yep. your coach. Rattle off to seven, and how close you were. It was quite remarkable, the journey that you all went on after that. Oh, yeah, it was. Well, I, I mean, that's why it took me a while to just pick up the music, because I've changed the music. I've changed the title as well, because it was the Magnificent One plus six others, clearly. <laughs> Those other blokes were just there for the ride, you know. They just jumped on behind I me. Get I get it. <laughs> I get it. No, no, it was. It was, yeah, quite um, quite unique, because it was, again, an eclectic mix. There was the Claremont, the South Fremantle boys, East Fremantle lads. Um, Perth. Yeah, East Perth with Paul Pios, who was like a he was a man at you know he, was, he I remember turning up um, you know the, met him at the, obviously the Teal Cup back in those days or the 18s these days and like had a full head of you know, hair on his chin like <laughs> well, he looked like Grizzly Adams <laughs> like what and my you know <clears throat> excuse the expression my plums hadn't even dropped at that stage so I don't reckon um, and um, yeah I'm just going wow this bloke like fantastic actually he might have been the other captain but uh, yeah so he sort of. It was only because then we moved into the West Coast that we all sort of sort of looked at each other and gone, yeah, and it was that real connection. And so that was certainly not a backbone. I, wanted, I don't want to say backbone as far as – but it certainly helped build that um, uh, chemistry, if you like. You hear modern-day coaches talk about chemistry and continuity. And, and again, yeah, even Apudu, I should say, um, went off to Brisbane and he came back and stuff like that. But just the connection between us all – as I said, it was really good for the the growth of the club, sort of not in a social sense off the field, but also on the field as well. Because you know, Scotty Waddles was playing, Chris Waterman were all playing senior footy, so we had that bond and sort of trust within one another. And so, like even the Steve Malaxis in, in the in the in the first year and, and sort of into the third and fourth, Monkey Brennan that again was there from day dot. But didn't play in the Teal Cup, but they could, they could. I reckon they could feel that as well. I and think everybody a, could. I th- I, we've never seen anything like it. Had never seen anything like it then, and mm. certainly haven't seen anything like it now. No, well, and again, probably because of the 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 way the games moved on. So you know, you play in the 18s now. You can you you couldn't you would never get now a group of you know, of seven, eight or nine boys, even if it was five out of say the WA team get selected. I mean, Correct. they try and do that. Obviously, the local clubs to pick the local players out of that. But even so, Carlton will just go and pick the second best Western Australian yeah. or whatever the case may be. So yeah, to 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 be in that. Uh, that group of seven fellows, and to go through what we did in the end, it was, yeah, fantastic. We're going to uh, take a break and come back. Guy McKenna is our guest. Inspiring sports stories on the SEM network. Uh, thanks to Baron today because the little things are everything. We'll talk about the premierships of 92 and 94. We'll talk about Wilbur's Worms as well. We'll talk about the head count. We'll talk about the wetsuit that you wore in your final game. And we'll talk about the Gold Coast Suns experience as well. Guy McKenna in studio. This is Inspiring Sports Stories. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Guy McKenna is our guest in the studio for Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. Inspiring Sports Stories. And you inspired many, many young hopefuls and West Australians, as did all of your teammates in 1992 when you won the flag. You had a taste of it in 91, of course, West Coast Eagles. Didn't quite get it right, didn't do the parade. Did you feel like 92 was everything just worked better, Mick was better for the experience as the coach, you as players were better for the experience as well, and did you think 92 was always going to be your year? Um, no, because you don't guarantee 12 wins. You know, the, the competition say, here, go have 12, get in the finals and good luck. Um, so we had to go and do it again. But it's that one. And I, I don't subscribe to the theory you've got to get in one and lose one mm. to win one. Mm. But 
as I said, the I always say everyone talks about uh, experienced or inexperienced players, and I and I used to even when I was playing, I remember Michael Braun played twenty games, and he came into the club not in a great. So we after ninety four, ninety five, the sort of the, there was some signs there that the the, the club was not crumbling, but wasn't going to be as successful as it was going to be. And I can talk to that maybe on another time and place. But um, anyway, and it's not about what has transpired since then and it's not a nasty thing it's just a little thing that sort of I think rocked the club a little bit internally um anyway um and because I would argue he's 20 games Chad Morrison was another one who had played those 30 games under sort of duress I reckon and fighting the uh fighting the uh the enemy coming at us really hard and it wasn't a great period though those light, late 90s early 2000s with um Kenny Judge of course and but I'd argue there 30 games would have held them in a lot better stead than, the, say, the 50 in our house in years because you're winning and you're sort of, you know, sometimes success te- is not a great teacher. Um, anyway, um, the um, the experience of playing in 91 and getting to three-quarter time, 10 points down, I think we were, and I'm I'm dead set, we're, we're in this and we, we've got this. And then, what, 53 points later, we walk off, but, you know, Deer went... Um, went to another level. Um, um, Pritchard went to another. Level. Dermot went to another. All these places stepped up to another gear, and we just didn't have that gear. So, not that we said about it, but obviously you can imagine Mick. Um, I mean, he was great after the game. There's no issue with that, and he was even great through preseason. It's like he just loaded us up or anything like that. But I think internally we all looked at each other and thought, "Hey, we got that close. Let's just drive ourselves." And again. I'm not saying the advent of extras, but I'm not saying we started it. But certainly at the club, we started to go right. Well, that's this is training. Mick would and Brian Dawson would. Here's our training program, and then almost we as players and maybe the leadership group went to the coach and said, right after training, we're going to do like just five minutes of extras. So you could go off and do whatever. So you know, Summer clearly went and did some goal kicking, but clearly still didn't work for him. Um, <coughs> Jacko went and did some man on man stuff. That didn't work either. So no, but we went off and we'd, we'd go and do our own little bits and pieces. Um, Rue would do kicks on the run, so that clearly worked. You know, still amazing when we talk about that. Eight shots on a wing in a grand final. My God. Anyway, um, anyway, um, and so we yeah we had this little package called extras, and I remember just we, Wisher and I would just do these these ball rolls, and it was so. But in three minutes, mate, we were cooked. And I reckon that just had gave us this little edge. And so 92, as you say, 91, we didn't do all the things we didn't do. And I remember in 91, because it was our first one, and the club, I'm not saying Mick or Nizzy, but the club sort of put this, um, we couldn't speak to media because, you know, what Mick was like, you couldn't speak to anyone. If it came back to him, well, that was it. You're almost going to be dropped or wiped, you know. So so it was like this pressure cooker. And we just, you know, it was we just couldn't speak. We couldn't vent. Whereas then the following year, it was almost, you know, yin and yang. It was the complete opposite. Get out, speak to everyone. We're going to go early. I think Wednesday we ended up training at the G. It was wet. I was supposed to put on a fake hamstring and all that sort of stuff, you know. All that and look sad. And look sad during the, you know, if you ever see me during the uh, parade, it was like, one of my greatest regrets, I reckon. I had to sit there and look all glum like I'm missing the the grand file and all that sort of stuff. Not that me off halfback was going to be a great issue for Well, you were part of that six, though. It was an important part. Well, and I remember yeah, that. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Anyway, um, but um, but yeah. So we did the complete opposite, and on top of that, because the bus trip out to Waverley, let's forget that. I mean, all us West Coast people do. It's surprising. I live in Victoria. The Hawthorne people I mentioned. Oh, we don't care. They just put an asterisk on it. was Waverley. It doesn't count out there. It's under the <laughs> MCG. I get some funny remarks. That's for sure. Anyway, so we had to walk. Mick made us walk from the hotel. Well, I mean, when I say mate, yeah, Hilton, he, yeah, the park. Yeah, yeah, just across the just across the road, and um, and mate, the vitriol. Now, luckily, we had Carl Langdon as you know one of your old Subi mates. You know, <laughs> he had a head like him, like a light globe. So it was just it was like moths to a flame, like vroom, and they just came and gave it to him and Louis and um, Suma got some, um, and obviously Wusher, of course. So, uh, so when we're talking vitriol, how 
close? Are they? You were just walking yeah, on well, the pathway, uh, and they were like walking alongside you. Yeah, well, there's no security guards. It was it wasn't like it is today, where you bus in, you almost can't. You know, you're sheltered. So there was no plan. Mick said, "We're just going to walk across." Yeah, well, I dare say that Donnie, the bus driver, would always you know take us. Yeah, and, and yeah, um, and um, Mick, wow. Mick just gone. Well, what's the point? It's literally, it's as you know, it's a hundred and fifty yeah. meter walk to the MCG across the road. And uh, he said, we're all happy to walk. walk. And we said, yeah, why not? But so we just started over the bridge. Now, it, wasn't, it was okay, that side of it. But as soon as we hit sort of that grassland as you're walking down to, I think it's about gate three, <laughs> going downhill, you know, mind you. And, mate, we had our footy bags on our back. And, and again, and I thought if this – I thought at one stage, if this bloke keeps going, he gets any closer – um, well, I'll swing as I normally used to do. I'd start the fights. Wush, I'm looking around. Where's Wush? If I swing this bag and clock this bloke, Wush, quick, come over and fix this up with you. Um, but yeah, but yeah, although they weren't, they were close enough. You could hear. I mean, and like you and I sitting across this desk, mate, they got that close. But it wasn't like it was. It wasn't like a crowd of a hundred or hundred and fifty. It wasn't like that. It was, but just spatterings of people because it was about. Um, 2.30, so it would have been around lunchtime. And it so, wasn't banter. It was seriously, serious vitriol. What oh, are you doing? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go home, you you know, bunch of flogs. And I can't say what they were saying, of course, because we have to beep out the rest of the interview. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was it was cranky. And you used that as a, as a motivation? Did, well, was so, Mick yeah. walking with you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were at the back, you know. Um, and so once we then got like down a in... school excursion. Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah. <laughs> I think my apple fell out of my bag, too. I'm still looking for it. Um, we walked down and into the bows, and you could almost... And then Mick just... I think from memory, right, boys, bags, drop your bags straight into the meeting room. And then he just said, see that, hear that, do, 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 do. You know, let's go out and show these blokes and da, 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 da. Yep. Loved it. Absolutely mm. loved it. Mick's arrival, uh, and yeah, 94 was huge as well. But I just want to say, in the early days of when the AFL started, and I was working at Channel 10 and we were friends <laughs> and that, and we were playing basketball and we were having, a, having good fun. Wilbur's Worms were playing. Mm. We used to say, oh, what are you doing? Oh, we're playing golf down at Wembley. We'd go down and do an interview. Yeah. Or we'd go to training, mate, you'd come up the race and we'd stick a microphone, oh, we'll have a chat. And it was every man for himself. Yeah. Then Mick said, okay, no one's allowed, no cameras allowed on the ground, uh, mm. on the boundary. Yeah. Then it was over the fence. Mm. Then it was <laughs> Phil locking the gates. <laughs> Fabulous oh, Phil yeah, locking yeah, the yeah, gates. Yeah. Um, then we didn't locked know when him, training was on. Locked himself out a few times still, I think, <laughs> And then uh, my ex-wife was the receptionist and then there was me, oh, clever, yeah. well, I get the information from where. And yeah. it was chaotic yeah. when Mick arrived. But how important was that? Well, yeah, so we wouldn't – and he wouldn't talk about it a lot, but he'd talk about it enough because it was always us versus them. Like the Nullarbor plane, mate, he had a big line on his map <laughs> straight down there and it was all those people over there because obviously he was talking – we're talking obviously prior to Fremantle. That became a bigger line, mind you, when Fremantle or the river turned up. He was going to get the excava- excavators out and make a bigger river or a bigger gap, yeah. Anyway, um, but so he was very us versus them. So that's, yeah. that's what it was and it was just – he just understood, and and you spoke about the one percenters, you know, um, before, and 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 again, that's what Mick was all about, just making sure he had a he had a book, a thick book, it was like a bible almost of one percenters, and there's it's like thousands. I've of seen them. it. I've yeah, seen yeah, it I've pop still, up in socials. Like yeah, I've recently. still I've still got it. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've still got it. it. Or just the little things, and that's it was just the one percenters, and like he'd almost he, he never said it, and I'm only. And surmising here, but he would say the reason we lost 91 was because of some of those one percenters. And, and he's probably right, you know, in some way, shape or form. Um, and so, yeah, so I always say to him about Mick, because I had him for 10 years. I had Jared Neesham, and you spoke about 87, so that the, the flag we won there, 85, Graham Moss, first coach, all that sort of stuff. Um, fantastic legend of Claremont, uh, magnificent and magnificent player. When you think about what he's done, mate, four years in the VFL. Just sorry, take a break here. Four years in the, uh, and he went. He finished fourth, 
third, second in this order, and then won the Brownlow and in seventy, and then came home. Yep. Anyway, amazing Incredible. player and a good yeah. fella. Yeah, yeah great fella, a Mossy. And then I had Jared Neesham. Now Jared Neesham, what I learnt in twelve months off him uh, was amazing. He he sort of taught me the the art of about defending the old defenders see ball punch ball, but he actually taught me the art of no no no. The best form of defence is having the ball in your hands. So if you can get off your opponent, intercept a mark, cross the line. Jacko's wrestling with uh, Wayne Carey, and I'm playing on someone that no one's even heard of at North Melbourne. Well, guess what? They come out of the back line. They've got a bit of time and space. They look up and see Wayne Carey versus the bloke I'm playing on who they don't probably even just made his debut. Well, guess who they're going to kick it to? And I sort of started to work that stuff out and go, well, okay, they're not kicking to my bloke running up into the pie stand. Well, they're going to kick it to Wayne Carey. So bugger you, mate. I'm heading over towards Jacko, you know, and we, we would go and help him. And so Jared, for me, I think taught me what I thought football was supposed to be played, whether you're a back forward or mid, if you're that, just go and get the footy. And then once you got it, you've got to make sure you use that as best you possibly can. So he was fantastic for me. And I hope well, Mick, Mick won't hear this in Victoria. He'll find a way. Oh, God, I know. Always, he's got great but connections. Yeah, well, as far as teaching me. Because Nizzy will be listening. Yeah, He'll pass yeah, it on to yeah, Mick. Yeah. <laughs> G'day, fellas, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, well, no, well. I'm not going to do the ham sandwich here, but what what Jared taught me in 12 months um, from a football point of view was was massive. It it, it almost would equate to 10 of my years with Mick. But what Mick taught me, what Jared didn't, was around professionalism and the study. Jared was very you, as in you based. So you just you put your ace on your table. What is that bluey? So bring that to the table. That's what I want to see. And you and boundaries were flexible. Let's put it that way with Jared. Whereas Mick, as as you know, was a very inflexible. Um, but again, what what Jared had taught me and what I what how I like to play the game. Mick allowed that. But again, you pick kick that ball in the corridor, bluey. You got to hit the target. If you don't hit the target, well, guess what? You're going to get the rural boot up the you-know-what. So Mick, Mick's, as far as professionalism, understanding the opposition, like he, he is the best I've ever found. And his orations before the game, I mean, they're just legendary. They certainly are. Inspiring Sports Stories, Guy McKenna is our guest. Thanks to Baron O'Day because the little things are everything. The dual premiership player of the West Coast Eagles and Gold Coast Suns coach. We're going to get to that in our next break. This is Inspiring Sports Stories on the SEN Network. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. West Coast Eagles superstar Guy McKenna, 267 games. I'll get to that last game as mm. well. Your ninth and final game of the year of 2000. Remember it was against Melbourne? Melbourne. Was that a sealer I kicked? We'll find out. Well, okay. Why the topic is being mentioned, here it is. The crowd want the ball to get to the Eagles' forward line, so Bluey can take a mark or kick a goal. And it might do that. Here comes Ben Cousins. He looks for Bluey. He's got it. Oh, perfect. Well, this would just cap off a remarkable career. What a way to send it out. And the crowd's going absolutely ballistic. Bit of pressure now on your Bluey in your last game. And he's kicked the goal. Still a career. Look at this. Every single player all over the ground from the Eagles is running down to Guy McKenna. Well, this is just a very moving situation. Ah, uh, and not only was it a moving situation, the beautiful sounds of your yeah. mate, Maney, Chris Mainwaring, and also Drew Morfitt, one of the legends mm. as well. Uh, you get emotional, and I know, and it was a special time, and, uh, and Guy McKenna is here, and... 
we think of Maney every day and young Zach's doing some great things with Claremont. Yes. I did the Claremont uh, best and fairest a couple of weeks ago mm. and he got leading goal kick out. Yeah. He's, a, he, he's, a, he's a dude. Oh, yeah. He's a oh. dude. The apples don't fall far from they the trees. They do not, Bluey. And, and I love your emotion, mate. And um, I'm happy to share that with our listeners mm. right here. Um, just in regards to that game, you wore a wetsuit. You had a bad yeah. back. So it was, it was coming to an end and you laboured your way through with that back injury. How bad was the back? <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, it was a, a compression fracture back in 89 uh, against Melbourne when I got wow. crunched by Spalding. So it didn't sort of flare. I mean, I could manage it. It was fine. I mean, it was totally fine. But then the osteoarthritis started to kick in. And so it was a wedge fracture between, you know, 9, 10 and 11. So 10 got squeezed between 9 and 11. So as it turned out, I remember going at around uh, seven. It's uh, Eddie had my first and only game. Lenny Hayes is coming at me. He went left. I went left. He went right. He was zigging and zagging. And then he eventually went left again. And I just kept going straight. I couldn't go left. And I remember standing in the urinals and Izzy came in. I was, <sighs> and I just, I literally couldn't breathe. This is my spine was just gone. Um, anyway, I saw a surgeon and basically said, mate, I'm going to have to stick two rods in your back and uh, you won't be able to bend over and pick up your future children. You won't be able to swing a, a tennis racket. You won't be able to swing and play golf. And I thought, geez, 13 years, I've got the rest of my life here. Um, I think I don't want to be too greedy here. Um, I think I might have to call it quit. So we sort of did the old, let's get him to a last game, but is he playing this week? Is he not playing this week? It was, it was fine. I mean, I can run around and get fairly active, which is fine. Better now even, I reckon, now that I've lost a little bit of weight and, um, uh, what I say, looking after myself, but, yeah, more active. Mm. Um, I'm not as bad. Whereas, but playing a game, it would take me basically nine days to get over it. So the surgeon said, oh, you can keep playing, but it's, this is going to be your life <laughs> going forward. And so, yeah, sat down with the club and we just thought, no, that's it. And then they then said, well, let's let's think about a, a farewell game. So I was sort of semi trying to keep active and train and do what I could. But it was just a combative. And I'd start to feel good. And I think if, if you remember, it's stupid me, of course. You know, after I'd retired, I'm thinking after two two months of feeling good and running around. Might have another go. Oh, this is, this, is, this is feeling okay. But then as soon as I started doing some bumping and tackling, it was no good. So, um, yeah, the last game... Um, yeah, it was hilarious, and and that kick. I mean, it was. I mean, I'd move forward. I still tell the story. Jeff Farmer absolutely got me a beauty on the boundary line. Like bumped. I saw him coming, and I, I saw him coming. It was near the boundary line. Okay, who wants it more? All that sort of stuff. And he hit me. Just we turned and bumped each other, and like bone. I can still feel it now. Like I still rattle when he just hit me. I was just. <gasps> Naturally, I couldn't show that, so I've just turned around and sort of trotted off. And then I was playing on uh, Cam Bruce, uh, Robert the Bruce. I used to, and he, he could run. He had a motor on him, and I'd just basically get to the centre circle. And he was ahead of his time, of course, because there's one of the forwards pushing right down in the back line. I just waved to him and say, "See you, mate. I'll see you when you come <laughs> see back." See you on the way back. All that sort of stuff. And then that, and then obviously I was cooked. I'd come off and spent more time on the bench than on the ground. Judgey moved me forward. I reckon Mitchell White had a go at me once, and I reckon I spilt the mark. He still reminds me about it, and a few other bits and pieces. And then Cuz came out, and he's hit me. And But it was funny, and I say this to any player or any coaching group, I said, and it's funny because you you are you are what you are, and you do what you do. And so I've always picked the ball up, kicking out of full back, of course, because that's where I spent most of my, my, my time. And my and again, your mental my mental model says every time I pick that ball up, I'm going to say, right, I'm going to hit Ben Cousins, or I'm going to hit Tim Gossage. That was my mindset, right? Who am I going to hit? That was my first thought. I marked that ball. I kid you not. I shut my eyes. The first thing was a slight little Zephyr. <laughs> first thing I said, I'm going to push this right. But I reckon if that was Peter Sumich or Carl Langdon or Chris Lewis or Tony Evans, 
they're thinking the opposite. They're thinking I'm going to hit this straight through the middle, or, you know. That's but my mind just went to that because it's not a, it's not, it wasn't a, um, it was a rare thing for me yeah, to do. You know? Nah. Anyway, so if you look at it, I just make the distance. It's 35 <laughs> metres. I reckon I've kicked it 35.3, just over the hands, and uh, yeah, it was it was special. I remember, yeah. I remember the video. Uh, in fact, I think I was involved in the cutting of the video. Yeah, the farewell so, yeah. video. It was a beautiful time. That um, said, that, that said, the wetsuit thing was just to keep it warm. It was just because okay. my back just needed to stay warm, and yeah, I had three. Get ahead of your time, weren't you? Three tubes of uh, yeah, three tubes of Denka rubber, and that was only skin deep. So it blistered my back, I reckon. But I had this. Uh, I had Pat Lay, who was a mate of uh, wetsuits. Um, uh, he uh, he he sort of designed this. So it wasn't quite a wetsuit, and it wasn't one of those thermoskins. skins. It was somewhere in between, so I could actually move with it. Let's go to the whacker. Uh, I think you were playing mm. St Kilda round 22, oh, 1999. Mate, so- they're supposed to be inspiring stories. Sorry, the sorry. players conferring in midfield. What have they seen? What are they about to do? A head count, I think. That's a good effort to get that, John. I've never seen this before in an AFL match. Now, if they find too many of either team, my understanding is the scores are null. Well, certainly the Eagles will be hoping that St Kilda <laughs> with the extra man out there. Maybe that will explain. They'll be hoping that that's why. They haven't been able to run with them. Well, I was just trying to work out whether it was Guy McKenna who was uh, the one speaking to the umpire. I've got a feeling it must have been Guy McKenna who called for the head count because the umpires ran from that end of the ground with Nathan Burke's down this end. So it must have been Guy McKenna. I can confirm, Wush, actually. I can confirm it was Guy McKenna, Eagles captain. Um, I'm not sure why, whether they, they needed maybe, to... maybe he just got confused by the Wakelands. You think he could have... <laughs> there, there, there seemed to be about five of them out there. <laughs> So there's Dennis Committee oh. carrying John Walsfold, who clearly oh. he was, he'd done his knee previous, so he's gone into commentary. Yeah. So, and and Barrett then chiming in oh, with, yeah. with, with like the, the three stooges. <laughs> Jeez, come on, boys, not hard. What do you think? You think, Nathan, they, they're four goals up, they've kicked seven, we haven't even touched the scoreboard. And they've lined up across the ground. And you think St Kilda's caught a head count? I mean, please. <laughs> <laughs> and Wusha, he's an, he's an ex-captain. The only people that can call a head count are the captains. Now, did you, um, what happened? Well, to defend myself... Uh, I'm standing at half back. We're getting smashed by St Kilda early in the first quarter. I look around and there's an extra man. So well, there, I just did the quick head count. There's six defenders, six forwards, and then there's a spare one. The ball's up our forward line. And I'm thinking, gee, hang on, what's going on? I think Tony Evans might have been there playing on a half back flank or something. Anyway, pig, <laughs> how many of these? Is there seven forwards down here? And I think so. Well, someone said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've had a quick look at the bench and there was, in those days, they've just moved to four on the bench. Yeah. And one bloke had. Um, unbeknownst to me, had gone off for a squirt, of course. So I've looked, I've seen three. I've seen a man in their, in their forward line. The ball's in our forward line. And this is why Mick never spoke to me for two weeks after I called the head count. We're getting smashed. The only chance we're going to score a goal is up our forward line because we've got plus one in our forward line for the mathematicians out there, if that makes you, it sounds better. We've got plus one in the forward line. ball's in there, so Fraser Gehrig's running around by himself. Unbeknownst to me, I'm I just... played in this game. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's always by himself. Um, <laughs> anyway... Um, and yeah, and so I, and so I said to the ump, I said, I reckon they got an extra man on. And he goes, Oh, what do you mean by that? And I said, Well, there's an extra bloke here. He said, Well, what do you want to do? I said, Well, what can I do? He said, Well, you can call a head count. And he asked me about three times, You sure you want to call one? You sure you want to call one? And I sort of, well, at that stage, there was no ramifications of it. I just, well, the ramifications for them, if you, you they're yeah, correct, wipe they, the score, wipe the score. And it wasn't about that. I was just saying, Hey, what's going on here? And I looked at the bench. I looked at it two or three times, but it was only like course of thirty or forty seconds. There was still three blokes on the bench. Still this bloke in the loop. We still couldn't <laughs> kick a goal, mind you. Jeez, forwards. Jeez, don't get me going. Anyway, so I called one, and then they're all and they're all having a go at me. And I said, Well, I only did it not to. Um, just to stop the game, really. I mean, but to stop the game to work out, well, hang on, there's obviously a blatant mistake here. Well, get, just get him off. I mean, I don't mind. 
18 on 18, but that wasn't helping us. And they've now got a plus one that's going to make it worse. So, yeah, Mick was filthy. <laughs> I caught a, a head where Subiaco played Claremont Colts at Claremont Oval mm-hmm. on Easter Monday. Yeah. And Daniel Rich was playing there, and yeah. we caught a head count, and they did have the extra. Oh. And they got their scoreboard. So all that money in the private schools in the Claremont area. They Couldn't add up. They, oh, please. Uh, hey, Blue, we're going to take another break and yep. come back, and I've been pushing this Gold Coast Suns. I want to talk about the Gold Coast Suns yep. and what you're doing now. Guy McKenna is inspiring sports stories. Thanks to Bowen today because the little things are everything. We'll take a break and come back and uh, head up to the Gold Coast and then back to Melbourne where life is for Guy McKenna right now. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Guy McKenna, our guest. Thanks to Bower and O'Day because the little things are everything. You played in a drawn qualifying final. Yep. You caught a head count. <laughs> and you also are the first player in AFL stroke VFL to go off under the blood rule. Yes, well, most of my teammates would be surprised by that because they like to think I used to play one out and one back, if you know what I mean. Well, you know, Hurley Bell, we had Wusher and, and Monkey used to do all that sort of crazy stuff. So they didn't need someone else in there. Just give me the ball, boys. I'll do the rest, you know, sort of thing. Um, anyway, but, yeah, I, I think I cut myself shaving before the game. I think it was just a bleeder, but uh, I can't remember. But, yeah, I got sent Did you off. find it bizarre? Can you remember the day? And you, could you find it bizarre? You said, no, you can't stay on the ground. And... Yeah, I think it was a Carlton game. I think it... Uh, yeah, I reckon it was an away game, and I reckon the blood was on my shorts because I think someone uh, cracked me across my nose. It bled, and so wiped I was wiped, yeah, wiped yep. it on my pants and so right. And back in those days, off you go straight yeah, away. Of any course, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so. Hey, Bluey, Gold Coast. Yep. Um, you get the job uh, as the Gold Coast Suns, the inaugural Gold Coast Suns coach. Uh, you play in the VFL or the NEFL? 18s first. 18s, oh, VFL. Yeah, so six years I was up there, two years. So 18s first year. They were so, little boys, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one little story out of that was fantastic. So, yeah, we basically would um, be um, Gold Coast and we'd play Dandenong Stingrays, Sandy Dragons. Gotcha. So we'd, we'd, we'd join in the 18s, similar to what you're talking about with the VFL, and fly in, fly out. So the boys getting used to that. The probably thing I didn't realise at that stage, so we had about 60 players we were coaching through Queensland. And then obviously when we weren't playing Danny and then we got into the 18s, as they call it now, we would then take our Gold Coast jumpers off, which were fantastic, mind you, back in those days. Great colours and still are. Um, and then put on the Queensland ones and play in the 18s. So I'm down here, well, down here, I should say. I keep thinking I'm in Victoria. Um, I'm standing at, um, at Metricon. Three players, I absolutely grill in a private room. Cause Marvel Stadium. Marvel Stadium, yeah, sorry. Um, and they'll go and, <laughs> what are they doing, these blokes? And I walk back into the main room and I start speaking to the rest of the group and it sort of dawned on me. I thought, hang on, are these blokes playing? Because we're the same side. It wasn't like we changed game plans and stuff, but these blokes were just doing bizarre things. They were kicking things over their shoulders and not playing, you know, instead of handballing 10 to 2, as Mick used to say, all that sort of stuff, and dishing off to the first option. They're trying to balk around blokes. And, and Stephen May's playing for Northern uh, Northern Cherokee. I think he's kicked four goals to half time. We're two goals down. I think we end up losing just by a goal or something. So it was sort of okay, but these blokes were off tap. And I, I said, hang on, boys. This is so the whole group, coaching crews with us as well. And I said, hands up. Are you playing Gold Coast style or are you playing for the recruiters out there in the Oval? And I think whether you have 22 or 23 maybe, maybe 24 maybe, I don't know, in the 18s back then. Mate, I reckon I had 15 blokes put their hand up and said, yeah, I'm playing for the recruiters. And I thought, in my nature, I go, you know, God love their honesty. Like, fantastic. Like, I'm not sure every player, I mean, I'm 15. I should have been 24 and put their hands up. That's the way I was thinking. But I just was astonished. And I thought to myself, 
I, afterwards, I didn't, I didn't get too. I said, well, that's not going to help. That's not going to help us win this game, and it's not going to help you look a good player because if you're going outside the bound, you're getting yourself stuck. We own blokes getting caught with the ball and looking terrible. Yeah, I said, boys, just straighten ourselves up. You know, it didn't work, of course. We still lost the game, but, but yeah, I was just astonished that that's the mentality now. And again, I'm saying it's all, or well, they're all Queenslanders, but whether that was just their perception of that's what they had to do, I think in the other more normal football states, I don't think they have that same. But I'm sure there's some blokes that do have that in the back of their mind. I'm just going to do a little bit of razzle and dazzle and see if I can get myself um, selected. Because I have a simple thing with kids. I just tell them it's about substance, not sizzle. Bring If you've got substance, you will play. And, and again, I know speak about Maney now. Maney was a terrific player. But if you ask... West Coast people who was the most talented or the most skillful. He he doesn't even he doesn't nah. he, he doesn't hit the radar. You know, it's Judd, it's Cox as a ruckman, it's yep. Kemp, um, you know, it's all these Lewis, it's all these sort of names that get thrown up. Shuey these days, all that sort of stuff. Maney's not on that, but I would go into battle with Maney every week because mm. eight times out of ten you knew what you're going to get from him. Yes, I mean I look at my right hand and how bent and twisted it is. That was because I used to do kick to kick with uh, training with Maney before training, you know. Um, but that fetched the ball affair. Yeah, yeah. but and, and the thing is, I remember one year with Maney. Um, just reminisce a little bit. He kicked three goals, twenty-two at one stage off the wing. Three goals, twenty-two. And so you look at that and you go, oh, it's terrible. But you, know, hey, you, you take it back. You take it back a step. No, no. He's had twenty-five shots on goal, yeah. which is amazing, you know, because he'd work, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So substance versus sizzle. Yes, some players rely on the sizzle, but the sizzle only happens sort of four times a year. Did you get your best out of your coaching time at Gold Coast? Were you cut off in your prime? Oh, um, no question. <laughs> no. The experience. Um, yeah, mate, I loved it. I mean, I still talk about it in a going sense. I mean, the only thing, we actually, we went to the VFL this year, Johnny Withereth, the chairman who sacked me, um, and we speak, because I know it wasn't his decision. I mean, I'm sure he would have stayed on, I would have stayed on and all that sort of stuff. So we were just talking. I said, Johnny, look, the only, I want to say the bitterness, the only sourness I had about that um, uh, time up in the Gold Coast was, I mean, obviously no one wants to get sacked, but as we all know, coaches, there's two types. One's about to be sacked and the ones that have been. So I've covered both those bases now. Is there another one? Hopefully <laughs> um, he can come back into it. Um, but I said to him, the only thing I was dirty about, I got re-signed in that May and we were seven and two and flying because we we're playing all those bottom sides and we'd had four years in that competition now. So David Swallow who's out on your wall out here. You know, he, when I first coached him, he, he's played one game, 10 games, 20. Now he'd played up to sort of 60 to 70 games. He was semi-experienced, if you know, and he understood what – and so when Gary handballs the ball to him, as opposed to the first game, he drops it. Now he's dodging around blokes, kicking to, you know, full forwards, hitting Tom Lynch or Charlie Dixon. Um, all of a sudden, we'd matured, and so we were flying. And so I get extended. My contract was ending that year, so I get extended in the May. I then get sacked in the October. And I said, that's – and I go, hang on, who, why has that decision been made? We'd made we won ten games. Gary goes down, and again, Gary goes down when we're about nine and six, I think. Mm. We end up winning that game too. Everyone mm. forgets that. Mm. So Gary goes down. So everyone says, oh, Gary goes down. Now he was a big part of our our, our, our obviously our the way we well the way we played or the team performed, but he wasn't everything. And again, that's what was happening. The players were catching him. You know, it's like Carmichael Hunt. We had Carmichael Hunt, and I used to say to the AFL, send him up the road to Brisbane, mate. I'm a first-year coach. I can't have someone like Carmichael. I need everyone that can play football. But they thought that he was just going to get people through the gates. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't about him playing footy. No, exactly. So I get that. But send him up. If it's a if it's a footy-type thing, send him up to Brisbane. They've been established. They've, they've just won three flags, you know, in the early 2000s. This is sort of 2010, 11, and 12. So I said, send him up there if you want to make him that. But I understood why because of, yeah, the – the Carmichael Hunt factor and getting all these people, which I'm not sure it really worked. I mean, it was great. So I remember having a chat with him one year. It's just to say, Kay, I reckon the kids have caught you. 
He played 44 games, which was probably 40 more than I ever thought. And, and God love him, his work ethic, and Kenny, Kenny Hinckley, who taught him how to basically play football. So those two blokes uh, hit it off really well. And so he got to 44 games, which is amazing. But um, the kids had caught him, and the kids were catching Gary too, which was all about. But he goes down. But Charlie Dixon, who probably wasn't a household name for people here in Western Australia or Victoria, he goes down and misses a period of that uh, that seven games when Gary went down. He missed three games. Stephen May, again, not a household name, but us. He was even better than he is right now. You know, he'd missed four games. Trent McKenzie, uh, Fish Matera, you know, one of our leading small forwards. You know, he went down, you know, and you just go. So it was Gary and about six others, a bit like the Mag 7, you know. We, so we lost a sort of a core of our group. And well, there was Brisbane. We got smashed in one of those seven games. It wasn't like we got blown out of the water. West Coast, we actually were in front or thereabouts in our very last game. And then they just... Again, the boys, we had not, we played everyone bar one person in that last year. We were just cooked, you know. And so you get sacked in October. So that was the that was the only sort of bitter pill that I had. I'm going, I, I didn't steal anyone. I didn't touch anyone. I haven't done anything wrong. What's what's the deal? Mm-hmm. And 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 I hadn't thought about it too much, but someone said, oh, look, they, they stuck on with Bomber Thompson and look what happened to him. Uh, Damien Hardwick, they they sort of, you know, weathered that storm. And, and I, when I was speaking to Johnny, he said, oh, yeah, well, you know, uh, he, he didn't say who or what or what, but he said, oh, the feeling was we just needed a change. And I said, well, that... That was that's worked out well, hasn't it? And <laughs> and, and, and it, you know, and the and the change of or the lack of change at Richmond seemed to go okay, didn't it? You know, anyway. Well, uh, we're about to find out under Damien Hardwick's leadership as well how good Gold Coast are. Thanks to Barrow Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because little things are everything. Uh, Bluey, we've literally got thirty seconds to tell us what you're doing now post footy. Oh, mate. So I'm coaching Caulfield uh, Grammarians uh, in the Vaffa over there. Um, I've coached them from A grade down to B grade. We won one <laughs> game this year. We had thirteen players miss at the start of the season, and I'm just um, taking on the management role of the North. Northcote Health and Wellness Centre, or the North, uh, the Recreation and Aquatic Centre. So I'm the uh, the manager in that area. So life is good. Loving life, mate. Yep. Oh, loving this weather too. How good is it? I know. Well, mate, it's been great to have you in the studio and uh, enjoy your time with the West Coast Eagles. Catch up with all the Premiership players out at the races, and uh, it's been a long time since we've seen each other, yep. but uh, we go back a long way. Yep. Great to see you, big fella. Good on you, mate. He's a good man, Guy McKenna. Uh, inspiring sports stories. Thanks to Baron O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Tim Gossage on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.